Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. AM 1060 as always online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Wednesday. It's May 31st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays this week though just Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but we have some NBA Finals that does get started on Thursday. That's between the Denver Nuggets, who have been patiently waiting, and they will face the Miami Heat, who upset the Boston Celtics. We'll get into a little bit more about that and and some comments from Eric Spolstra that certainly caught my attention post-game about Caleb Martin, as well as maybe just uh, what it is to be a competitor that I thought was pretty compelling. Some NBA uh, coaching news as well figure out where the direction of the phoenix suns are going to go if monty williams has a potential landing spot some arizona cardinals topics and your calls 602-260-1060 we'll take those around 10 30 and 11 15 today but as we typically do let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question which is more accurate from game seven of the eastern conference finals the heat won or the Celtics lost, and right now the masses are on the Heat won 88% of the vote, Celtics lost 12%. Yeah, not much of a contest, quite frankly, in my opinion. I, I was never really, uh, I didn't think there was any doubt after the, uh, after the Heat went on a 14-4 run to end the first quarter. Remember, they actually fell behind 7 nothing in the to start the game. Tatum had the ankle issue on the first possession of the game, but the Celtics still jumped off to a 7-0 lead. But after that 14-4 heat run in the first quarter, and I never really thought they were in danger of losing. Uh, they ended up winning by 19 at Boston, and uh, you know that place was going nuts, and they introduced like every Celtic that's still living, basically, from the past uh, before the game. And uh, by the time the game ended, there was hardly anybody in the building. That is correct. Uh, Somebody compared it to the last time the Heat made it to the NBA Finals in the Eastern Conference celebration was in the bubble for the Heat. So there was really no one there (laughs) celebrating that victory. Uh, We'll answer that question around 1130 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Who should have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, Jimmy Butler or Caleb Martin? Jimmy Butler was the winner of the award, but who should? it have been 66.7 percent of the masses are on jimmy butler 33.3 percent are on caleb martin i think there there definitely there seemed to be some confusion they had nine people vote on this and the butler got five of the nine votes and there seemed to be some confusion at least amongst one voter whether he or she was voting for the you know the, the the mvp of the eastern conference playoffs or whether it was the Eastern Conference Finals, and it is you know, worded Eastern Conference Finals. So, like I said, there seemed to be even some confusion, at least amongst one of the voters that participated in the process. 
that's never a good thing. <laughs> it uh, is a little awkward. We'll answer this question around 11.30 today. Still time for you to cast your vote on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Let's go back for just a minute to put a bow on this Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics did lose to the Heat 103-84. to You had uh, an offensive lift from Caleb Martin with 26 points on 11 of 16, 4 of 6 from 3. Jimmy Butler contributed 28 points, 12 of 28, 3 of 7 from 3. And certainly a ginormous difference here was the Heat shooting 14 of 28 from three. Meanwhile, the Celtics shot nine of 42 from three and just kind of sticking. I know this has been my theme, not necessarily your theme and monitoring everything that took place from behind the arc. But at the end of the first half, the Heat had to go. I mean, they already are small, but they had to go even smaller because Bam had picked up his third foul. So Spolstra took him out. So they went really small and the Celtics did not take advantage of that. They continued to just shoot shots from behind the arc and they did not get the ball inside uh and i thought that that was a missed opportunity for the celtics there if they were going to try to get themselves back in that game yeah maybe even though you know they just don't they don't run an offense where they throw it into the post and take advantage of what length they have so that's been a big problem with mine with the celtics throughout these playoffs but uh that continued at that point yeah, you know, the Celtics ended up uh, going uh, you know, five and six at home during the postseason. Uh, the road team won uh, five, you know, five of the seven games in this series. Miami went three and one at Boston. And as I mentioned, after that run in the first quarter, I really at no point thought that the Heat were going to lose the game. And they did not. So here's uh, what caught my attention post-game from Eric Spolstra. He was asked about Caleb Martin, and obviously he he certainly praised him for the fact that uh, you you lose Tyler Hero, you lose Victor Oladipo, you lose uh, a lot of that offensive prowess, and so somebody has to step up. And this seemed to be the series where Caleb Martin stepped up offensively, was very consistent. So he certainly touched on the tangible things that we could see but here's a quote uh, that I just kind of thought was really compelling to me Eric Spolstra said here you know if you're a real competitor and it's in your soul and that's what Caleb is he's a competitor every bit the competitor you talk about Jimmy or Bam Caleb is a competitor you get to the higher stakes the further you get along the more competitors are going to reveal themselves you know game sevens conference finals it's not for everybody in the association otherwise more players more teams would do it you have to be wired a little bit differently and Caleb is and the sentence here that really stuck out to me here is you get to the higher stakes the further you get along the more competitors are going to reveal themselves and I just thought that that was a really fascinating way of putting words to context when we're always trying to come up with what is that it for somebody? It's not a great word, it, but maybe that is the closest thing that I've ever heard to talking about somebody elevating their game to perform when everything is on the line. Is this more of a compliment for to Martin or more of a shot at the Celtics? I took it as a compliment to Martin, but maybe it is a shot at the Celtics. I think it's both. Um, yeah, he was he, he was supposed to have started his press conference after Game Seven by going out of his way to praise the organ, the Boston organization, etc. But when I heard that, I just thought, 
okay. I mean, we hear coaches, you know, praise their players all the time, and he might have gone a little further than usual, but also thought to myself, is, is he also slamming the Celtics here? Maybe, maybe it can, because if you're just talking about sheer talent, uh, top to bottom roster wise, the Celtics win that contest all day long. Uh, I know that, you know, in that particular game seven, the very first play of the game, Jason Tatum rolls his ankle. And certainly that was bothering him all game long. You had Jalen Brown with at least eight turnovers in the ball game. Uh, you certainly had moments all playoffs long where the games were getting tight for the Celtics and that really uncovered and unraveled a lot of what the Celtics were trying to do. Yeah, I'll add one other thing. You mentioned the Tatum injury and obviously the heat of we've gone through the Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo things, uh, their injury situations for you know, weeks now. Uh, but in addition to the Tatum thing, Malcolm Brogdy shouldn't even been on the floor. In fact, he's likely headed for elbow ligament surgery. That's how bad he's off as far as his elbow goes. And uh, so that didn't help them. But uh, still, it's kind of hard to explain if you're a Celtics fan, Celtics organization, Celtics anything, uh, how you can get outscored 16 to 13 and second chance points when you are by far the team with the more, more length and physicality, etc. And then the thing that was a huge difference from really you know, certainly the three games that the Celtics won in this series in game game seven, the Heat had a 17 to eight advantage in fast break points. You mentioned Malcolm Brogdon, and there was a point in that game seven when uh, he was in the game, shot an air ball, and I just thought to myself, why is he out here? Like, clearly, he is very right. hurt. He should not be out here. That's correct. Well, it's game seven. He's a tough dude, and he wanted to play, I'm sure. But uh, he uh, you know, he actually he didn't play much after that. Remember, no. you know, he, left, he left game five, and, you know, rarely in a playoff series do they let you know he left game five in like the sometime in the first half, might even been the first quarter, but it was very early in the game. And they made an announcement almost immediately that he was not going to return in that game and obviously didn't play in game six. And then he obviously he gave it a whirl and shouldn't have played in game seven. And he did not deny in the, his post-game press conference that he is headed for elbow, elbow ligament surgery, which has been reported or was reported a couple of days before game seven. Want to get a little bit more into the Celtics side of things here with decisions that the team has ahead. Uh, you know, you obviously have things player wise, but I'm going to start with the head coach. Did Joe Missoula save his job by getting to game seven? Uh, they're not. He was not going to get fired no matter what happened because they just signed him to a contract extension like in March. Uh, so they removed the interim tag and gave him an extension. So. I don't think there was any chance that he would not return this upcoming next season, which I did mention a few times in the last couple of weeks when I was, you know, bashing his performance level, but it didn't seem like there was any chance that he was going to be out of his job. But, you know, there's also, even when they were down 0-3 in this series, there was even reports then that they're going to, you know, the whole thing was, you know, when he got the job and, they clear Damon Stoudemire, you know, former U of A player, left the coaching staff during the season. Uh, so they did not have a full complement of assistant coaches. But when they were down 0 3, there was already stories out there 
that they were going to add at least a you know, an experienced veteran coaching presence uh, presence to the staff at the end of the year, and that obviously escalated after they lost the last game. I find the situation just in general to be kind of fascinating because the team itself is very much win now because they made the NBA finals last season. They made it to the Eastern Conference finals this season. We could have an argument about whether or not the path for them to make it to back to back NBA finals was set up real nicely for them to have that opportunity at a title. Um, I don't think there is an argument on that. It was totally set up for them to make it. And obviously underachieved on that front. So the situation, though, where you look at you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum, you have maybe potentially some aging players in Al Horford. But how how do you view him as as what you want him to be an integral cog to the team? You have Malcolm Brogdon, as you said, there's going to be some offseason surgery from him. You have question marks about Grant Williams. You have question marks about Danilo Gallinari as he has a six point eight million dollar player option for next season as he's coming back from that ACL. Jalen Brown, you have question marks here. He is under contract with $31.8 million through 2023-2024, but he's eligible for a Supermax extension that is projected to be worth $295 million over five years. Grant Williams is an unex- unrestricted free agent, so there's a lot of things if you were just, just say, let's roll it back. Uh, is that the right move? Or what sort of additions can you make to get over the hurdle? And if the question lies with the coach or does the question lie with maybe some roster construction? Well, I think think they definitely – they're going to upgrade the coaching situation, at least as the staff goes. I mean, Missoula's not going to get fired. But as far as the actual roster, it seems like Brown is going to stay and he's up for a contract extension. You didn't even you didn't mention Rob Williams there. No. This dude, unfortunately, his knees aren't going to get any better. Uh, yeah, I know that he got really ill during the game. Actually, he was ill for a couple of days before the game, the game seven and so forth. But he just, unfortunately, he's had knee problems for a while. Um, and he's a young player. And he's not like uh, you know, guys that, you know, he's a big dude. Uh, so he's in good shape, obviously, but you know, but guys that are you know, have a large frame and have knee problems at the age of, I'm guessing he's in his like mid twenties. That's not going to probably get any better in his career. Uh, it's really unfortunate because I like his game. Uh, he's 25 years old, um, six foot nine. His wingspan seven foot six. Uh, but I really like his game, and you could certainly see the ability for him last season when he was able to play uh, to really kind of just dominate inside. And you thought, okay, he's going to be able to take that next leap. But these knee issues that just keep popping up, as you mentioned, are certainly debilitating. Yeah, you mentioned last season. I'll just go to the last series. They don't beat the Sixers if you know, they finally don't make him a starter in game six and seven of that series when they won the last two games to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they, they don't win without his defense against Embiid. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully I'm wrong and there's some kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call it a miracle cure with his knees, but it seems unlikely that that's going to get better. But, uh, you know, Horford was far more effective a year ago when they reached the conf- they reached the NBA Finals. He was really good in the playoffs a year ago. This year, he had some moments, 
but uh, not nearly as many good ones. Uh, so I don't think they want him playing quite as much. So I think that's another one of the questions they need to figure out. The Do- Gallinari, I actually completely forgot he was even on their roster until like you know it's some playoff game i saw him sitting on their bench and i went oh my yeah i forgot they had that dude but you know can they count on him he's had some injury history in his career also yeah i remember when they you know made the move to bring him in there was a lot of excitement about it but the acl situation obviously and he does have a player option for next season so uh he kind of controls whether or not he wants to be around for next season yeah, I don't know what his options are, quite frankly, because he had injury issues before he got to Boston and obviously had them this year, too. So uh, I don't know what his, how much he's supposed to make if he does, you know, if he just declines the player option. I'm guessing it's, I'm just a total guess. I would be surprised if it were more than he's currently under contract for. Brian Martin with NBA.com went through the finals team roster and how the rosters were built. Uh, You know, was it through the trades? Was it through draft? Was it through free agency? And it's kind of interesting because obviously the Heat and their story that we have heard kind of ad nauseum is how many undrafted (laughs) players they have. But what about the Nuggets side? What about the Heat side? We'll get into that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Ten twenty-five here on KDOS AM ten sixty. It is the extra point. Oh, he's listened to us online at KDOS ten sixty.com, as well as with the new KDOS ten sixty app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. I figured there's plenty of time for us to get into kind of the the matchups, if you will, for the Heat and the Nuggets as the NBA Finals get started tomorrow. Uh, but instead, taking a look at how were these rosters built and uh, somebody to help us with that is Brian Martin. NBA.com is where I got his work. Uh, so let's start here with the Denver Nuggets and how this roster was built. And I want to start with, of course, uh, the two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic here. If you remember, though, he was drafted back in 2014 and he was the 41st overall pick. So when you think about some who is the 41st overall pick kind of really starting to come into their own here in the last several years. It's really hard to say to yourself, yeah, we all saw this coming. Yeah, even uh, Michael Malone has said we didn't see this coming. (laughs) I heard him say that at least during one of these recent press conferences the last couple of weeks. Also, remember they had Nursich on that roster too, and it was kind of uh, which guy are they going to keep and which guy are they going to trade? Obviously, they made the right decision there. I completely forgot about that, but you're right. Yeah, they did make the right choice there. Nikola Jokic has rewarded them nicely. Uh, Jamal Murray, the 2016 NBA draft, the seventh overall pick. We had briefly touched on this when the news of Carmelo Carmelo Anthony uh, was announced that he retired, that actually the rights to pick Jamal Murray came in that Carmelo Anthony trade. Uh, You obviously had his injury history here, the patience that the organization had with 
with him to take his time to to rehab and to come back. Uh, so certainly here. Do you remember, though, his game coming out of Kentucky and that uh, the projections were this is something he could be? Actually, I thought so. Uh, maybe not to this level. I mean, cause he's, he's elite level right now. But when he was at Kentucky, um, I don't remember if it was the very first time I saw him play, but one of the first times I remember thinking uh, almost immediately, if it wasn't immediately, that that dude's got an NBA game. And uh, so I'm not surprised – yeah, uh, I think that you know you mentioned that the uh, Nuggets had patience, and I can't imagine with the patience level or whether I know that maybe there has been a lack of patience patience for Murray at some point. He maybe tried to come back too quick that one time, but uh, you know he's a pretty uh, amazing uh, display of perseverance because he seems to be in some ways a better player now than he was before the, the knee injury and. Yeah, you know, I love the Nuggets. Some people, you know, one more time, I get to tell this story before you know we get two weeks of the Nuggets here, and I'll probably tell more than you know even more during the next couple of weeks. But yeah, the year when they acquired they acquired Aaron Gordon in the trade, I actually uh, that day made a bet that the uh, for the Nuggets to win the Western Conference at that point, and then like a day or two after that is when Murray went down with the injury. Uh, another injury here, Michael Porter Jr., 2018 NBA draft, 14th overall pick. Obviously, uh, the the concerns were that he had played three games at Missouri before he declared for the NBA draft. This talent level was always there, but the health well, concerns. He had, he, right. He had back problems. when He only played you know, the Missouri thing. There were teams that didn't even bother. They wanted no part of him. Uh, as far as uh, the NBA draft goes because of the back injuries. And there were some college teams. He ended up going to play for his dad at Missouri, if I remember correctly. But there were some colleges that didn't even want to take a chance on him before then so because of the back situation. And when you're like 18 or 19 years old and you got a back problem, that's probably not the forecast for long-term success. I will say one, yeah, Murray's had some really good quarters, including they had, he had 17 in one quarter against the Suns, I remember, during the, that series. But I don't know if he's really had a breakout game, so to speak, in the postseason from start to finish. I might have missed uh, Maybe I'm forgetting one here. But, yeah, he, like I said, he's had some stretches. But I think he's got a uh, possibility. To, I'm very curious to see who you know, what the matchups are as far as you know, who, who are the Heat going to try to you know, you name the player. Who are they going to try to uh, you know match up as far as whether it be Jokic, obviously, Murray or Porter for that matter, and then you've got the Aaron Gordon factor, who I think uh, is at this point been the best defensive player in the postseason, East, West, in between, whatever. He like has been the best defensive player in this postseason. You mentioned Porter there, not really remembering a game in particular. I don't either. I just remember some timely threes, some timely shots. He's had some big quarters. He's had some double-digit scoring quarters. Uh, but I don't remember one game where yeah, he was just uh, you know, completely unconscious from start to finish and making every shot. Uh, the last one that I wanted to mention from the NBA draft here, he's getting, uh, you know, 
sparing minutes, but they've been good minutes. Christian Braun, 2022 NBA draft in the 21st overall selection here. Uh, then you mentioned Aaron Gordon, and that uh, he... let me go back to Braun just for a second. I think that he's kind of fallen out of favor some because it seems like he's getting less and less minutes as the playoffs have continued. Aaron Gordon came to the Nuggets here in the trade with the Magic that took place on March 25th, 2021. Well, a story that sticks out to me, I, I forget if it was the ESPN telecast or the TNT telecast that was talking about it, but that uh, playing with Jokic was certainly something that took an adjustment period because the offense runs through him. He's such a great facilitator. So Aaron Gordon really took it to heart, especially this particular offseason, to really figure out how to best move without the ball to kind of get more in line and in tune with what Jokic uh, wants and I think you're starting to see that with his offensive game but as you mentioned as well uh, defensively he's been really solid yeah I think this is a really good spot for him because he's you know the third or fourth option probably the fourth option right if you include Porter offensively you know, U of A fans never thought he'd be any good many of them and I argued with them at the time uh, because he didn't have a really offensive game when he was at the U of A. And I thought because of his athleticism and his defense, he'd be a, a really good NBA player. He's actually better now than I thought he would be at the U of A, but I'm guessing better than most people thought when he was in college that he wouldn't reach this level ever. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, he came in a trade with the Wizards back on July 6th of 2022. He's been a really welcome addition uh, to what the Nuggets, you know, just that depth that we continue to talk about. Yeah, definitely championship pedigree here with the Lakers in the bubble. And uh, he, he has been a huge, you know, I, you know, we've seen plenty of press conferences now with the Nuggets and, you know, going through three series in the, Eastern Con the Western Conference, including against the Suns. And I've heard Malone and other Nuggets, and Nuggets players talk about how he's, he's brought kind of a winning championship uh, mentality to the organization. Uh, Jeff Green as well, free agency uh, back in August 11th of 2021. I also forget uh, which telecast it was, but they called him like the dad of the group. Yeah, I think that's his nickname, right? I think that's the nickname from the players on the team. So, yeah, he played at Georgetown a long time ago, and he's gone through lots of medical issues, not just injuries, but he's had some legitimate health issues. And, uh, you know, he was back on, uh, you know, in Cleveland with LeBron back in the day. Uh, so he's been around for quite a while. And another guy that's provided some leadership, and then I mentioned the dad thing. Uh, you mentioned that, and uh, I think that – I think that's uh, you know, his nickname uh, as far as the players go. And then finally, the one that I wanted to touch on here who's been really good, Bruce Brown, free agency, right. uh, July 7th of 2022. So he joined uh, this past offseason. Uh, and, and certainly, I, th I think for Bruce Brown, he might be making himself some money with how he's been playing. That's true. And, uh, yeah, he was good in Brooklyn. Uh, he was really good in Miami of Florida, but he unfortunately had some injury issues. He was a point guard at Miami of Florida. And we've seen him do – yeah, he's kind of a backup point guard here when Murray's not on the floor. And he plays a variety of spots on the floor, offensive and defense, uh, and really is, is a very versatile player and another guy that kind of understands what it takes to win games. 
And finally, it's not a player, but maybe when we use the term patience, that maybe this could also apply to head coach Michael Malone, hired back in uh, June of 2015. So there's been stability at the position, but I I think patience seems like a good word for the organization with Michael Malone. Totally agree. also, uh, if you're uh, you know, watching NBA TV and watching the post-game press conferences, uh, and if you have kids, you might want to get ready for the mute button because they don't have a seven-second delay, and uh, he's got a mouth on him, which uh, is interesting. He says some stuff. I just kind of openly laugh when I hear some of the stuff he says. I don't disagree. I'm not, I'm not laughing, uh, laughing at him because I think he's crazy. It's just kind of uh, you usually don't hear coaches publicly say those things at the end of games. <laughs> we'll get into the heat side of things on the other side of the break. But if you'd like to interrupt us, feel free to do so. 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls now and get to you on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, online at KDUS1060.com. And with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Hopefully you've downloaded the KDOS 1060 app and uh, have registered and are following along with the listener rewards available to you. Uh, Never know what we're going to throw up on the KDOS 1060 app, so highly recommend doing that. Uh, Phone call time, though, if you'd like to join 602-260-1060, and we'll continue uh, the NBA.com's Brian Martin write-up with the Miami Heat side of things and how this roster was built. On the other side of the break, It is a Wednesday. It is May 31st in the Extra Point. We'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KTUS AM 1060 and KTUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can listen to us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Continuing our NBA discussion and looking at the uh, rosters for the teams competing in the NBA Finals that get started tomorrow. We just went through the Denver Nuggets, so let's go through the Miami Heat, inspired here by NBA.com's Brian Martin's write-up. Uh, of course, we know uh, it has been much talked about that the Miami Heat uh, have seven undrafted players and get a lot of contributions from those seven undrafted players, but let's first start with those that were drafted by the Miami Heat, and we'll start with Bam Auto bio he was the 14th overall pick back in 2017 he averaged 6.9 points and 5.5 rebounds as a rookie and he became a full-time starter in his third season and I kind of forgot about this that that was kind of the breakout year for Bam in 2020 that resulted in the Miami Heat and the bubble uh, yes, uh, that's for sure. And I never imagined when he was a Kentucky, you know, unlike Murray, who I thought was going to be a, a really good NBA player, uh, I just thought that Bam would be a backup guy in the NBA. And he's an all-around player. And I thought uh, going back to Game 7 on Monday night that he had a tremendous game. Uh, he's not shooting the ball particularly well uh, of late uh, for the Heat. But, you know, the you know, rebounds, plays defense – you know, I know that Van Gundy continually, uh, you know, Stan Van Gundy, who, you know, was part of that uh, TNT group that covered that Eastern Conference final, 
talked about how he set screens. I think you can make a case that you know, the two players in the NBA that are the best, at least stand out to me the most at setting screens are you know, Draymond Green and Bam Adebayo. Yeah, Stan Van Gundy certainly made a point to talk about his screen setting multiple times um, throughout the the uh, Eastern Conference Finals there with the Celtics. Another drafted player coming from Kentucky for Miami is Tyler Hero, 13th overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft. Uh, he was the second to last lottery pick, another player out of Kentucky. He was the sixth man of the year last year, moved into a starting role this year. We know what happened in that Bucks series with his hand. Uh, there were reports, I believe it was Shams, Sharenia of The Athletic that was saying uh, Tyler Hero potentially potentially could return game three of the NBA finals. Nothing official yet from the team though. Yeah, they've been pretty quiet about this. And you know, in the past they have a pretty good history of being upfront with injuries. And you know, there's you know, I know there's uh, you know speculation or reports or both out there that he, at least he's been doing some basketball things. So you know talk that he might be back for this series. I know there's actually some that kind of wonder if it's been a little bit, uh, you know, kind of addition by subtraction because there's some moments that he's not exactly doing the right basketball thing. Uh, And, you know, two years ago he had an awful year. Yeah, there was speculation that he got involved with the, uh, the Miami party life a little too much and so forth. But he has certainly played much better this year and, uh, would be interesting to see if he's able to play and if he's able to play, how effective he's going to be. That's always something coming off the injury. I think a lot of people, no matter what the sport, see somebody coming back from an injury and they automatically think, ooh, poof, he's going to be the same as he was before. And sometimes uh, that happens and more times than not, they're probably not what he was before. At yeah. least, at least immediately. I don't want to get a sidetrack too much, but certainly I do have that question. Uh, you know, Tyler Hero, he obviously can shoot. He does have some volume attached to his shots, though. So does that almost take away from the rhythm that this team has found, but also kind of keeping in mind with... I, I guess I should ask this question. Do we think that they're kind of overmatched against the Nuggets and the offensive prowess that the Nuggets have, so they need some points to be able to keep up? I think that's exactly the way to look at this. Uh, you know, completely dead on there. Uh, they're going to have to. They're going to have to be even more efficient offensively. And uh, when the game, certainly the games that they won in the series against Boston, they were pretty much efficient offensively. But uh, the Nuggets are. I think have more, you know, weapons offensively than the Celtics. Uh, you know, they may not, uh, you know, you know, certainly the top two guys. You certainly, but I, I just think that it's a deeper scoring roster that the Nuggets have than what uh, Miami just faced against Boston. Jimmy Butler, he came to the Heat in a trade with the 76ers, Trailblazers, Clippers back in July of 2019. The Heat got Butler from Philly, Myers Myers Leonard from Portland, and Cash from L.A. The Heat sent Josh Richardson to Philly, Hassan Whiteside to Portland, and a protected future first to L.A. Obviously, that's worked out really well for the Heat. Yeah, not not bad. Uh, needless to say, and remember Embiid was really upset that they let Butler go. And uh, I don't know if he's still, I assume he's probably even more upset about that now, uh, considering what has happened with Philadelphia since. And Philadelphia has been not been able to stake, take that next next step. They uh, 
keep firing coaches, but they don't seem to do anything about the front office, which is, you know, put them in this position, in my opinion, in Philadelphia. Victor Oladipo, we know he's not playing after the injury here, and he's kind of been oft injured as well in his tenure with the Heat. But a trade with the Rockets uh, back in March of 2021, the Heat got Oladipo for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and a 2022 first-round draft pick swap. This is just a sad story. I mean, he was injured at IU at University, Indiana University a lot. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but he, he had a major injury there. He's had you know, multiple major injuries, whether it was with the Pacers or with the Heat, and uh, including in this postseason when he went down in that Milwaukee series. He's a really good player, all-around player when healthy, but unfortunately that has not been with frequency. Then you also have Kyle Lowry, a trade with the Raptors back in August of 2021. The Heat got Lowry for Precious, and I'm going to butcher the last name, and then Goran Dragic. Yeah, Precious is from Memphis. That's about Precious from Memphis back in the you know Memphis, University of Memphis or whatever they call it. It's not Memphis State anymore. Whatever they call that school, the Penny Hardaway is the coach. But anyway, uh, Lowry, I, you know, th- there was you. Know, I guess Ernie Johnson, I didn't watch the post game on the court crap on Monday night, but I guess Ernie Johnson was trying to kind of preach and trying to find out from Spolstra, you know, what this video was and so forth that supposedly inspired the team before game seven. I know there's been speculation that Lowry was a big part of this thing. Interesting. Yeah, he definitely was. Bam mentioned it, and then uh, Spolster didn't want to unveil it at all. Uh, Duncan Robinson, he signed a two-way contract back in July of 2018. He then signed his NBA contract in 2019. He's been out of the rotation much of this season, actually, but with injuries to Hero and Oladipo, he's been counted on and counted on big. Yeah, and uh, the... Game six, uh, you know, had the uh, you know, Heat lost the series. You remember he missed a couple of big shots at the end of game six, and that was the game where obviously Derek White made the miraculous tip in and forced the game seven. But if the Heat had actually lost this series, I think there'd be some heat on Robinson because they had, you know, they set up some easy, you know, for him, usually easy shots and, you know, coming off of screens and, and so forth, and you know, he missed shots down the stretch in that game. I think that was kind of gone, pretty much forgotten. You know, Butler makes the three free throws, and then there's the final play, and you know the Celtics survive and live to play another game, etc. But uh, Robinson, if you if he's on the floor, no matter who you are, whether it's you know a regular season game or the Celtics or the Nuggets now. You've got to make him pay for being on the floor because he's a horrendous defensive player. Gabe Vincent signed a two-way contract back in 2020, started half the games this regular season, and obviously has started in the playoffs. And uh, he, he's been important. The ankle injury where he rested in game five and then back uh, playing, I, I was kind of surprised that the ankle injury wasn't as severe that he was already back for game six and seven. Yeah, he had some moments uh, in both those games, in fact. Uh, you know, I, I claim to be one of the few people that remember him at UCSB back in the day. And uh, a couple of my better acquaintances slash friends went to school there. So I kind of paid attention to them a little more than probably others in the past. But yeah, he's certainly uh, he's one of those undrafted guys. And, 
you know, Spolstra, you know, you mentioned uh, ad nauseum, or you said earlier in the hour that, uh, you know, we've heard ad nauseum of all these, all these undrafted guys, but, you know, Spolstra's even sick of it, and he's mentioned that several times in his press conferences that we should be way past this undrafted thing, and he always talking about player development, and uh, clearly those undrafted guys, including Robinson and and Vincent have been part of the player development. Maybe the Heat have the best player development program going in the association. Uh, Caleb- it's like the Dodgers in Major League Baseball. I yeah. mean, I think the Dodgers get all this, you know, heat, I guess, to some extent, because they just certainly spend a lot of money. But it's you know, literally been 50 years plus, long, long since even the 50s and the 60s, and maybe even the 40s, if you count Jackie Robinson. It's incredible how they develop players forever. And uh, the Heat seemingly have done uh, something similar, not quite the long time frame because they're exist- they haven't even been in existence for, you know, late 80s, I think they were actually first came into the NBA. Uh, Caleb Martin signed his two-way contract back in September of 2021, and then he signed his standard deal in 2022 and then re-signed with Miami this summer. We'll get into more Caleb Martin uh, when we talk about the Eastern Conference Finals MVP award. I'll move on to Max Struess. He signed as a free agent back in 2020, and then he earned his NBA uh, standard contract in 2021. He obviously can shoot the ball, too. Yeah, I never imagined it to Paul that he'd be an NBA, you know, contributing player. Uh, so he was okay. Uh, and that DePaul team, as it turns out, had two or three NBA, current NBA players on it. And I'm always kind of mystified why DePaul hasn't won more, quite frankly, including the years I lived in Chicago from, you know, they had one really good team, maybe two really good teams from uh, 1994 through like 2002. Uh, you have the city of Chicago to recruit from. There's a, a tremendous amount of high school basketball players in that city. And you know, a lot of them have gone to Illinois over the years. And the Corey McGettys of the world have gone to Duke, etc. cetera. Uh, but, uh, you know, other than uh, you know, Quentin Richardson, former son, uh, you know, when he went there to DePaul and he took some of his uh, – actually, they – they kind of had a conglomerate of Chicagoland high school players that decided we're going to stay home. And Pat Kennedy was the coach back in those days. And they were really good for two or three years. But other than that, in like 30 years, that's about the only time DePaul has ever been really good, which is just mystifying. Uh, Kevin Love, he signed as a free agent back in February of 2023 after he was bought out by Cleveland. Uh, Kevin Love, he was starting the series and he didn't play at all in game six and seven. We'll see what his role is in uh, maybe having to guard Jokic here. But did you know this? I'm sure you did. This stat probably is going around everywhere that every year that Kevin Love has made the playoffs, he's actually made the NBA finals. I did not know that. Uh, I will say one thing is that I don't know if they can play him in this next series against the Nuggets because they're just going to pick and roll him to death. We will get into the Memorial Tournament on the other side of the break. Plus, there's a little Putting World uh, gift certificate on the line for you as well. That'll be coming up on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show, right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. There are 
just 12 events left on the PGA Tour before the FedEx Cup playoffs get started. There's another elevated event this week. The PGA Tour is at Muirfield Village in Ohio. It's Jack's tournament, Jack's design, Jack's event. Par 72, 7,533 yards, bent grass greens, a major renovation about two years ago. The renovation, I think, uh, certainly places a bigger premium on driving the golf ball. You have to be very good at uh, strokes gained on approach, strokes gained around the green, taking advantage of the par fives. I don't know that putting necessarily is as big of a to-do. I think it's more of the ball striking around this golf course, but certainly it's going to be a fun event. Headlining things, of course, is Scotty Scheffler with his plus 600 odds. He finished here in third in 2021 and a tie for 22nd in 2022. Plus 600 odds. It's hard to get there at plus 600, but no one's going to fault you if you do because, I mean, he just continues to to hit the cover off the golf ball. Last week, he gained 12.62 strokes ball striking, 15.01 strokes gained tee to green. He lost 4.56 strokes putting. So if he can just be a small gain, he's winning the golf tournament. He's putting himself in positions to do that. John Rahm, who has great history around here as well, he was plus 700. He finished tied for 10th in 2022. In 2021, he had a six-stroke lead but had to withdraw because he tested positive for COVID. And in 2020, he won the golf tournament. The other golf golfer that has impeccable uh, performance around this place is Patrick Cantlay. His odds 10 to 1. He finished tied for third in 2022, first in 2021, tied for 32nd in 2020, first in 2019, and fourth in 2018. He loves this place, so we're going. Patrick Cantlay at 10 to 1. He's ranked third in strokes gained off the tee, ranked eighth in strokes gained tee to green, ranked first in par five scoring. So let's see if Patrick Cantlay can become a winner for the first time this year. Shane Lau at 55 to 1. We're also taking him in a top 30 at plus 115. Uh, he's finished in a tie for 32nd in 2022 and a tie for 6th in 2021. He's ranked 27th in strokes gained off the tee, ranked 25th in strokes gained tee to green, and ranked 56th in approaches from 175 to 200 yards. Keith Mitchell in a top 40 at plus 150. He finished tie for 18th in 2022 and he's ranked 5th in strokes gained off of the tee. Also going Victor Hovland at 18 to 1. He seems to be getting closer to putting it all together. Bent grass seems to be a better surface for him in putting. I understand uh, he's played a lot of golf, so maybe there's a bit of a fatigue heading into this week, but we'll see how Victor can do at 18 to 1. Uh, I mentioned Putting World, located in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road. They're open Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to midnight. Visit them at puttingworld.com. And right now, caller number two, 602-260-1060. You are the winner of the $50 gift certificate to Putting World to find out uh, all about it. Improve your putting stroke. Have some fun with some competition. It's all at Putting World. So caller number two, 602-260-1060. Hour two is next.